Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my channel. Um, welcome back to the Amateur Bowl. Um, we have a fantasy, another fantasy uh, outlook, like an outlook or fantasy recap, I guess, for our 2021-2022 fantasy season. And yeah, it's gonna be a fun little, fun little guy. Mm-hmm. This is both a, a recap where we give our lessons from the season, what we did, what was good, what was not good, and also an outlook for the future. That is what we can take into next year. And since we're in a keeper draft, that's literally we are taking players into next year. So that works pretty well for us. So the way I want to structure this one's a little different. What I want to do is I want to make it into a narrative style instead of just a here's lesson number one, here's lesson number two, here's lesson number three. Simon, are you ready for the story? Oh, I am very ready for the story. I love story time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Also, just want to point out that uh, I have Tyler Huntley and Lamar Jacks behind me, and um, they were both very good for fantasy players last year. Uh, I will definitely – I would definitely look for Tyler Huntley. And if I'm in free agency looking for a quarterback next year, I'd definitely consider Tyler Huntley. Maybe not as a starter, but he'd be an awesome backup just based on what he did last year. Like, you have a mini Lamar Jackson. Really? That's what he looked like. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So uh, plug for the Ravens aside. Uh, let's, keep, let's keep moving. So what I want to start with is kind of to build a little suspense. So Simon, like me, was in three leagues this year. Three leagues. Uh, I think you were, in, you were in a few keepers. You were in more than one. Yeah. We, we yeah. were in one keeper together. Yeah. And... Some of the some of the the things that I'll touch on from our league, Simon will also be able to touch on because we made two trades this year. Yep. And we'll have things yeah, to we say did. about that. We did. But I was I was in two other with each other. Leagues. To be yeah. clear, me mm-hmm. and Max made two trades with each other, not Ex- like just in exactly. general. Yeah. yeah. So, but besides that league, where we basically just ended up with each other's teams by the end of the year, um, yeah, I was so in. Funny. <laughs> I was in two other leagues, two redraft leagues, and I, th- I thought they went. I thought the drafts went pretty good. By week seven, my three my three teams, their records were in my let's call my my uh, my Dow league with my with my friends from here. That was my first redraft league. We were two and five by week seven. Okay. And there's a league that I've been in for the last 10 years, another redraft league, half PPR. The Dow League is PPR. Let's call that the Queens League. Two and five. Okay, in in our Keeper League, I'll call it the Keeper League, three and four. Three losing records. Doesn't sound so great, does it? No. I, was prob- I was pulling my hair out at that point of the season. However, as you can see, my hair is very... Clearly on my head, and there's a reason luscious. why. Mm, looks well, very luscious. I, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> I love going to the hairdresser. The last time I went, they just uh-huh. complimented my hair. It was really yeah. awesome. I loved it. I, I think men men just don't get enough compliments. It just they don't. It gets to your head so fast I when know. you get them. Yeah. So devastating. <laughs> Anyways, so the reason why my hair is still on my head is because those three teams, two and five, two and five, three and four, keeper, our keeper league is PPR, by the way. All three mm-hmm. teams took completely different finishes to the season. Mm-hmm. There was success, there was failure, 
and there was mediocrity. And all three happened from two and five, two and five, and three and four into one of those three. And so today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about what, what decisions I made from the draft, from the season, and from the playoffs, if applicable, to see how we got to success, how we got to failure, and how we got to mediocrity, and see what we can do to get more success from there. Yep. Simon, that's a good idea. Yeah, Simon, you're more than willing to chime in because uh, yep. you you probably have a lot of insight as well, especially with oh, the, the trades that were made. So, ever, yeah. yeah, exactly. So why don't we start with the draft? Yeah. So, Let's. so absolute number one lesson. I'm going to start with the, the the hard hitter right away, and this one's going to seem obvious, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. it anyways. Mm-hmm. What they say is your top five picks are your mainstays. They're the ones that are going to get points from you week in, week out. Week six, draft pick six to ten is where you win your league. That's what yep. they say. Yeah. What I will say is that's kind of right. I think, personally, I just think that one to five is where you win your league. You have to hit on your top five. That's mm-hmm. the number one lesson. For example... So I didn't tell you which league was successful, which league was not successful, and which league was mediocre. So I'm going to – I'll go with the two, two, and five leagues, the Dow League and the Queens League. My top five picks in the Dow League, fifth overall, I had the choice between Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. You may think I'm crazy, but I did take Ezekiel Elliott over Derrick Henry. That ended up being a very good decision, but it wasn't looking so good for a while. But anyways, Ezekiel Elliott. Joe Mixon, Keenan Allen, Mark Andrews, Justin Herbert. Queens League, Saquon Barkley, Calvin Ridley, David Montgomery, Gus Edwards. This was before he tore his ACL. Javante Williams. Now you tell me which one. You tell me which one. <laughs> which one. That's funny. Because yeah. uh, yeah, I'm going. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, needless to say, the the Queens team flopped super hard, and we just couldn't get off the ground. The fact that we even had two wins by week seven was just ridiculous to me. Couldn't get off the ground. Those top five picks, obviously, injury issues by by what week three? Only only one of them was actually playing, or something like that. Yeah, no, it it just didn't it didn't work. Didn't matter who else I drafted from that point on. Because yeah. my top five sucked and we couldn't score points. I agree. Lowest scoring, yeah, lowest scoring team in the league by far. That's what I was. Whereas on the other hand, those five players, Mixon, Mixon and Zeke were both by the end of the season top five at their position. Mark Andrews was number one. Justin Herbert was number one. And Keenan Allen was in PPR. He was top 10, low top 10, but top 10. Hit on your top five. That's why I was successful. You hit on your top five draft picks. Yeah, and it's kind of funny you say that because I was in a very similar situ- situation as you were. Um, obviously, you know the, the like the top five, my top five in our league, and I like generally speaking, I, I did pretty well for myself. Uh, Nick Chubb, Darren Waller, Chris Carson, Kyler Murray, Adam Thielen are all great players. Granted, one, two, three of them are currently are not on my roster anymore because I already traded them all. But like <laughs> up to that point, like and up until Chris Carson got hurt, because like, we did we 
we'll get into the regular season trade in a minute, but like mm-hmm. early on, like the, like those five were, were, were very well did were were, were, put, were putting up like a significant amount of points for me, which is obviously what you need. Um, and then my other keeper league, which is the really only other one I'm going to be focusing on, because again, I think just in terms of lessons that need to be taken away, I think the main ones that you can kind of think about are the ones in keeper leagues, because again, you're obviously carrying a lot of players over and stuff like that, so it'd be a lot of time to, because I've been thinking about this like, like the entire season. Um, so in my other keeper league, my first five picks were uh, Saquon at eighth overall, I had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at the fifth pick in the second round, um, Terry McLaurin was my third round pick. Uh, in the fourth round, I took Mark, Mark Andrews, and then round five, I took Kyler Murray. So not a, not 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 terrible. Um, but in saying that Saquon Barkley and Clyde Edwards-Helaire definitely kind of tanked whatever real opportunity I had at actual contention, like your Queens team or your Kingston team, or uh, yeah, but Queens team, yeah, yeah, Queens team, yeah. So like. Yeah, like your first five picks are so freaking important because you said like like they're like they're your cornerstones and like you have to hit on them otherwise you like like you said you're gonna struggle to put up points and like just looking back on my team team results now my average points per week was only ninety eight point three one that's under a hundred that's bad that's not that's good at all it's not yeah. ideal in standard yeah, so it's like, fine but in PPR terrible. Yeah, and, and granted, I was able to make a couple, like I was able to make a couple moves that we'll touch on, like when we get to the regular season, the lessons, and everything. But in terms of the draft, like I had one draft that went really, really well, and one draft that went really, really poorly. And I think part of the reason, I think part of the reason, and sorry, one lesson I'll pass on to people who are in keeper leagues is make sure you know your keeper league rules. That is extremely important because I made a I made a huge mistake when doing my draft for my other keeper league, not the one that I'm in with Max. But um, so in my league, we had a keeper league rule where you can only keep two players, but they are of different positions. One, it's one of they have to be different positions. They can't be the same position. So naturally, a lot of people took a really good running back in the first round. And I did that. I I did. I thought I did that as well. I took Saquon Barkley first round, and then in the second round, um, I took another running back, which I thought, oh, okay, it's not bad. And I saw everyone taking really good receivers, and I was like, oh shit, I messed up. <laughs> so that's just just little things like that. Like again, if you have uh like keeper rules or specific keeper rules, like try to make sure you have some sort of strategy. Otherwise, you're gonna be like, cause going like it's it it's gonna significantly impact how competitive you're going to be the rest of your, like the rest of the term of your league. And I kind of really put myself behind the eight ball on that. But again, I was like, I was able to kind of, uh, what's the word? I was able to kind of recover. Yeah. And with, with that, with the keeper league, making mistakes like that can set you back more than one year. So you really have mm-hmm. to be careful. Yeah. 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 But I mean, Simon, Simon will probably be okay. Um, uh, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. we were, what Simon was discussing before, before going off on his, on the, the specifics with his, with his keeper league was talking about how it's really important to hit on those, those top picks. And, uh, one thing that he did kind of allude to with guys like Barkley that we both took is they get injured. And yeah, that's going to happen. Derek Henry got injured this year. Uh, Zeke was dealing with injuries throughout the year. McCaffrey got injured. Players in the top in the top round get injured, especially if they 
yeah, Camara too. You just it, with the usage rates as high as they are with those players, you're going to get hurt. That's just the way it goes. So, lesson number two: handcuff. Very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so in case you do lose that player for extended periods of time, if, for example, you lose McCaffrey, then make sure you have Chuba Hubbard in your on your roster. For me, for me, Tony Pollard was available on the waiver wire after oh. the, like like for after like week two, someone dropped him. Perfect. Yeah. He, that actually came in really clutch because because Zeke had some Zeke had some bad weeks, so I was able to play Pollard as well in some yeah. some weeks, and that that ended up being big for my Dow league. Really helped move me forwards, keep me in the race, considering my yeah. Zeke had some some real stinkers. <laughs> Yeah. Great, great player, yeah. though. One of my favorite players in the league still. I love you. Yeah. Yeah. And so while I think that's a very important lesson, I think it's also important to draw the line in terms of which um, which handcuffs are actually like uh, important to hold on to. So l- l- let me give you an example. So Saquon Barkley, for example, his uh, his handcuff is Devontae Booker. Um, he, he like even when Saquon was out, uh, Booker wasn't that great. He wasn't someone who, not, neither was Saquon, but um, like Booker was not a player like Tony Pollard. Because Tony Pollard is probably going to be like the biggest like handcuff success story this year. And I think people are probably going to be talking about him taking over Zeke's uh, number one workhouse role, workhorse role for the next season in a bit until Zeke can show that like okay, he like he's back or he's that they're still that dude. Because again, I think people are now starting to have questions now that Tony Pollard. Anyways, but handcuffing is important, yes. But also make sure you're 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 grabbing handcuffs for players that are actually going to be put into position into positions that are actually going to be uh, let, that's going to increase their likelihood of actually succeeding. Because there are a lot of players right now, or a lot of handcuffs, where even if you add them because you have their like the like the, the regular workhorse on your roster, it doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily um, guarantee that you're going to be getting the same output from your handcuff because. Like there's obviously some players like AJ Dillon, um, who are basically almost like one B, um, were uh, running backs in their in their uh, systems, but that's not the case with everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, it depends on who you are, who you are, and which team you are. But the 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 general rule, at least from what I've seen. Is that mm-hmm. the be- running back two? When running back one is out, at least if that running back one has that really high volume that somebody needs to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of good examples of that. Chuba Hubbard did pretty well. Mark Ingram in replacement for Alvin Kamara did well. Tony Pollard came in in replacement for Zeke every now and again. He even played well when he was there. Yeah. AJ Dillon for for Aaron Jones. Samaj P. Ryan did pretty well for Joe Mixon when he had his rough weeks. Um, Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herb, oh my god, yeah, I had him for a few weeks. That was huge. I did. I had him in our league, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, it it definitely makes a big difference to have have a handcuff. Al- Alexander Madison, I forgot about him for Delvin Cook. Just a lot of a lot of really great examples of when you have a number one back that does really well. Obviously, that wasn't the same with everybody, you know. Uh, Justin Jackson, Larry Roundtree, Robert Kelly, nobody Sean really Penny. did. Yeah, no one really did much when Austin Eckler went down, but yeah. Rashad Penny was good at the end of the year. I'll get he to was him. So good, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, I'll get, I'll Chris get to Carson. Him for sure. Yeah, Jesus Christ. But 
Yeah. General rule of thumb, if you can get your if you can get the handcuff for your first round pick later in the draft. Yeah. That's like much later in the draft, depending on how good they are. I'd say that's a pretty good idea. Yeah. And I and I think that's a big thing is just how good they are. Because again, like if you're gonna be grabbing someone who's like barely even gonna be like like you said, the volume matters. And if even mm-hmm. if they're if when they're hurt they're not gonna be in that many touches, like why are you even bothering wasting a roster spot on that player? I get I get it's like it's for insurance purposes, but you could also probably just get like get someone else's handcuff. Or get like a really good other like like uh Madison for example seems like he's always extremely relevant in um fantasy football just because it seems like Delvin Cook's always out one or two games every year. Um so like players like that who I think if you can get on you can hold on to is an extreme extremely valuable. Like JD McKissick's another one because again oh, yeah, Antonio he was Gibson great. Yeah, JD McKissick was another one because and Antonio Gibson was injured for majority of the year with a, I think it was a stress factor in his shin. And like, if you can hold on to players like that, or get or get players, even if you don't have like Antonio Gibbs, the Antonio Gibsons, or like, it, or if you, um, if you can get AJ Dillon, even though you don't have Aaron Jones, those are players who like can be extremely valuable. Um, which again, we'll, we'll, which I will get into later on, but um, yeah, like it's just handcuffs are so so important and valuable. Um, but again, like it's not necessarily like as I don't think it's clear cut because again, like the like the volume and everything obviously matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know the the value of a handcuff in the when you're in the draft, the volume of a of a handcuff for one of your players goes way up when you have their their starter. <laughs> if you don't have their starter, they're still good, but you, they're your value, your personal value of them goes high, goes up oh, yeah. when you have them. Mm-hmm. Because it's not, it's not only just a productive player, it's also an insurance policy. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. It. Yeah, exactly. And speaking of value, the, the third lesson that I have for drafting, and in my Queens League, I messed this up big time. Because I had a strategy, and I stuck to it, and it failed miserably. But mm-hmm. And that is... Don't worry about positional value as much. Worry about actual value. ADP. Don't worry about where you're going to draft a quarterback, where you're going to draft a tight end, because those are the big ones. Worry about how good the player is and how productive they are going to be for you. Talent wins out in fantasy. Be talented. And I'll, I'll give you the example of my team. My Queens League, I decided to go running back and wide receiver for the first eight, nine picks of the draft. Because I knew I was going to pick a quarterback and a tight end later, and yeah, it it didn't work. The reason why it didn't work is because those top five that I ended up flopping. Well, top four, Javante Williams is good, but those top four that I drafted, you know, uh, Calvin Ridley at number two, David Montgomery was injured. He was my number three. Saquon Barkley at number one. Uh, I forgot who was at number four. Oh yeah, Gus Edwards. Yeah, so. I load I loaded up on running backs and wide receivers at the beginning of the draft, and I missed out on some really good tight ends and some really good quarterbacks that could have helped me, like Mark Andrews and Justin Herbert did in my Queens League. And I drafted them at very very reasonable positions, considering how good they were fantasy wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in, I think that's a very good point. Um, now, granted. Um, for those of you who remember, I think our, when we were going through our draft episode, 
I've always been someone who's I've I've always been someone who like values taking a tight end high just because like I I'm I'm just of the opinion that if when there's a position that has limited uh like limited consistent players, make sure you can get as as um make sure you can get one as soon as like uh, not necessarily as soon as you can but make sure put yourself in a position to be able to get one because it's gonna be a pain in the ass to basically try to have to predict. Especially at tight ends, who's gonna hit, who's gonna boom, who's gonna bust, and like, so for example, like in our league, I took a uh, Darren Waller second round, and again, like he, don't get me wrong, he was still uh, relatively productive, but he was nowhere near like the, just the fantasy powerhouse he was last year. Um, and again, I think I think that kind of shows you that like again, you can try to predict. Um, like you can take someone who's been uh, like incredibly uh, productive and relatively consistent like the last two years, and they can still kind of be inconsistent. Now he was hurt and everything, so I mean that 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 thing needs to be mentioned. But like again, like I think it's when it comes, I think I think things like that need to be factored into when you're like uh, trying to account for positional value. Um, now, granted, don't get me wrong. I'm probably going to be implementing that same strategy next year when I draft my team. Maybe, um, but yeah, like it's just, it's, I think when it comes to drafting, like I think I talked about this last year, like it's so difficult to have an actual plan just because the draft is just such a fluid thing and it's so easy for you to have a plan because it, 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 it just changes so quickly depending on who's on the board, who's off the board. But in terms of like just trying to plan again, I think. I think there's so many things that go into it, go into it. But again, like I think this year especially, because there's some things that you mentioned, like ADP and trying to take just the best player available is probably something that um, needs to be valued more than than uh, uh, a positional valuable. Uh, 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 oh my god, the yeah, value no, positional value. Jesus yep. Christ, yeah. English is a difficult language. I've been saying it a lot. It's, <laughs> it's you know, sometimes it just it's harder than other times. This is not a good sign when considering we're going back to school soon. I'm gonna be just a mess. <laughs> yeah, I started yesterday, so I I feel you. Oh, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it's the time. But yeah, anyways, I totally agree with you. What we're saying with draft the best player available, it does not mean draft a running back. At number, with your first pick. It doesn't mean draft a quarterback high. It doesn't mean draft a quarterback low. It just means if Lamar Jackson is the best player available, take Lamar take Jackson. Him. If you don't have, if you don't have another quarterback. Yeah. Unless, unless the player is Cooper Cup. In that case, just take him. But. Well, if that's, guess, yeah, if that's the case, then Lamar is not <laughs> the best player available. But. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit. But, yeah. Um, with guys, with guys like Cooper Cup and Debo Samuel, guys like mid to late, like middle, that went off this yeah. year, you can never really predict that. You just got to get lucky. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Like, it's just, like, that's the, that's, that's the other thing we need, we need, I think we need to talk about when it comes to the draft. Like, so much of it is just luck. Like again, like you, like like you, like for example, another guy I want to talk about, like in in that similar discussion, is like two guys, like Cooper Cup, who just went, who who's been unbelievable this year. He he he's gone off. Matt Stafford's done a lot for him this so so far this season. Yep. And, then, and the other guy's Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase was a one, two, three, four, five, sixth round pick, 
Well, he was here. He was a six round pick in our league, taking around guys like Odell Beckham, Clay Chase Claypool, mm-hmm. T. Higgins, Antonio Brown. You know, like he's out here setting like some unbelievable records for like, for a rookie receiver, and like n- like no one could have possibly predicted that, given that there were th- there are two other receivers in that system. So really, they again it just goes to show, like you can try to have a plan. But so much of it is just luck. And, like, again, there's going to be times where you hit, and there's going to be times where you just absolutely swing and miss. And that's okay. It's just, uh, like, when you win a fantasy championship, which I don't really know yet because I haven't won one, but um, you have to, like, it just feels like you have to be on, like, you have to be hitting more than you're actually missing, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know, law of averages, Simon, if you keep playing, you'll win one. Yeah, we'll we'll see. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anyways, um, I don't think we need to go more into the draft. The draft, like we just said, is, it's fluid. It's an absolute shit show. You never know how it's going to go. So we'll, we'll move on to season management for me. So going back, going back to the, the foundational analogy. So three teams at week seven, two and five, two and five, three and four. We've already, we've already established that my foundation from the draft for my Queens League was god-awful. And you know that was the team that flopped. You know, the 2-5 and five Dow team that started with those great players, that was the successful league that we already know. How successful? We'll see in a second. And then the 3-4 and four keeper league that ended in mediocrity. We'll get, we'll get to that too. So, season management. The Number one lesson that I have for season management, and that goes more to what I, and this is another big difference between my two, two and five teams, the Queens League. Do not overreact to losing games. Do not do that. Keep your long-term objectives in mind. Remember what you have and where you need to go. Remember what you have and what you could possibly have, and don't overreact to losing games. When you're two and five, but your team was like my Dow team, don't overreact. Just hold on, keep going, and see what happens. And that's what I did with my Dow team. And like I said, I saw success. I panicked, made some, made a trade in both leagues, and didn't really help me. Yeah. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's such a good point. Cause again, like, I remember my first year, uh, which was last year, like, there'd be times where, like, I spent so much time just looking at the waiver wire and, and it spent so much time, like, okay, what can I change? Because now, 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 granted, like, last year, I had so many injuries that, like, basically, I had to look at it like that because, like, just, like, <laughs> I had to find guys to dress. But, like, yeah. somewhat, there's also, like, a good chunk of that's also, like, okay, like, how much can I change, and, like, do I like how it looks, if that makes sense? So, like, mm-hmm. again, there's so many ways you can that, that you can just possibly look at that. Like, and it's, I think it's difficult to kind of, and I, and I think in the heat of the moment, it's obviously, it can be difficult to, like, rationally look at it and be like, okay, like, here's, like, here's what I want to do, here's what I should do. But you're 100% right in that sense, because, again, like, I think there's a lot of people who, like, for example, like, because half the time, might not be like the, th- the thing that people don't really talk about about fantasy football losses is that half the time it doesn't even have to be your players that's the fault for losing. Yeah. Sometimes you like so, for so I'll, I'll, like just just for context like for my first like uh 
just a little spoiler here, like for, for for my first playoff matchup, like I thought my I thought my guys actually had a pretty good week, and it turns out like I just got completely outplayed by guys like Matt Stafford. I'm oh, sorry, not Matt Stafford. Um, uh, like Cooper Cup, for example. Yeah, I had the un, I had the misfortune of playing Cooper Cup in the first round of the playoffs, and yeah. like just. Like there's just so many things that could, that, that 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 can play a factor into yes like Dalvin Cook that's another guy Dalvin Cook Cooper Cup C D Lamb Dalton Schultz like those are guys who just completely just tore my team apart in like the first round of the playoffs like it just goes to show like, like just just because you lost does not mean your team's bad like there's so much more that goes into it than that and like I think in, like people or other fantasy managers who are who have bad losses try to kind of take a bit more of a like take a step back and take a bit of a more wide approach as opposed to just focusing on the actual result. Yeah, exactly. And a lot can go, like Simon's been saying, a lot of things can go into losses. You could have a great, a great week overall, but one of your players did badly because he was a replacement for an injured player that you normally start. Mm-hmm. In one of my weeks in my Dow League, I put up 164 points and I lost. Like it, it happens. That's rough. Yeah. It, it, Sometimes your team does really, really well and you lose, and sometimes your team does really, really poorly and you win. Yeah. That's that's just the nature of fantasy football. Is that it's yeah. all about the wins and losses. You tend to lose the lose the lose sight of the forest for the trees. You know, is that is that the yeah. same? Yeah, I, I think know. that's the same. But yeah, but the but the point is that when you when you start bogging everything down to wins and losses, you start to forget about what's really important. And what's yeah. really important is the long-term goal of making the playoffs and having those good weeks in the playoffs. And you need to build towards that. And yeah, I get the idea that you need to win games to make the playoffs, but you also ha- you have to keep both of those things in mind. And as a fantasy manager, that's really hard, keeping that in, in mind with the season. So I think the best thing you can do is just don't overreact to losing games. Do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just do your best. Don't trade away your good players because they had one or two bad weeks. Yeah. Just stay the course. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I have nothing really to add to that because, again, like, just staying the course is just a massive thing. Not, not even just in, like, fantasy sports, it's just in regular sports. So, I mean, yeah, like, staying the course is just so freaking vital. Like, there's not really much else to add. <laughs> exactly. Trust trust yourself. Trust, trust what you the did. Process. Trust what you did in the draft. Yeah. Trust the process. Yeah. Trust what you did in the draft. And... Yeah. The next few things that I've, the next few lessons that I have basically just are like subheadings to that overarching heading. So the first one, and that's this one's for Simon, and we're going to talk about our trade now. Oh, and no. <laughs> what, what my, my lesson is don't trade for the sake of trading. You actually, there needs yeah. to be some, there needs to be some reason why you're making the trade and it's got to be a good reason. Yeah. If, if, for example, you make a trade and the trade flops for you, as long as you, the purpose for the trade was good, nothing wrong with that. But if you're just trading for the sake of trading, you're not gonna, you, you can't win that. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not a win. And this is kind of where we'll, I'll talk about our first trade. So yeah. our, there were two big trades that I made, one in the keeper league and one in the queens league. When I did overreact to losses, like I mentioned earlier. I'll start, I'll start with our trade. Actually, the, the, the trade I made in my Queens League was more of an overreaction to losing. So I'll talk about that one first. Yep. Yep. My team, two and five, we were by far the lowest scoring the team, league and team in the league. Sorry, English is difficult. And there was just no end in sight. 
because everything was just terrible. Montgomery wasn't in the lineup. Ridley wasn't coming back. Barkley, who knew when he was going to come back? Uh, Gus Edwards, obviously, out. Uh, I made a few decent waiver wire pickups. I made a few good pick picks later in the draft. Like Cortland Sutton was playing well. I picked up Emmanuel Sanders. He was playing really well. Um, yeah, like the, the team was bad. They weren't terrible considering all the injuries I was facing, but we were, yeah. the team was bad. So I made a trade with somebody. I, I traded away David Montgomery, who was on IR. Okay. And I, and I traded away. Emmanuel Sanders, who at that point was playing really well. And he yeah. was probably the only player on my team that was always exceeding projections. Everybody else was not doing so great. True. Matt Stafford was playing well, too, at the beginning of the year, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and what what he offered me in return was Antonio Gibson, who was having a really – was having Man. quite a down, down year to that point. Yeah. He offered me Julio, who was having injury issues. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, and he offered me Amon Ross St. Brown, who was bad at the time, but he he really broke out at the end of the year, which I will, uh, like Rashad Penny, I'll get to later. Um, needless to say, I, I picked them both up in my Dow League, but whatever. Point is, um, that trade, every it hurt everybody. The only player that really started playing well after that trade was David Montgomery was decent after coming back from injury. Antonio Gibson was eh. Julio was bad. And Emmanuel Sanders started playing much more poorly because the Bills overall performance was getting worse by the time that trade happened. So it was bad for everybody. And my team was worse off as a result. So that was me making a desperation move to try and get back into the win column and save my season. Didn't work. Obviously, had I not made the trade, I probably still would have been in the same position, but I would have been in a slightly better position. So remember, when you're trading, just keep the long-term goals in mind. What are you trying to accomplish with this trade? What is it going to do for you? Don't really worry about what it does for them, but what it, what does it do for you? And is it a good idea, short-term and long-term? Yeah, again, I'll, I'll save my comments till after we get to our after we talk about our trade because again, I think. Just because it's between us, I think I have a bit. There's a lot. There's a couple things I can actually take away from ours. But um, yeah. Again, I think that's everything you've said so far is just spot on. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate. I appreciate you. You're welcome. Yeah. And uh, let's let's go into our trade. So our trade was Simon. Simon gave up. He gave. Well, let's let's start with what went down before that because I know. For at least to my understanding, you mm-hmm. you really wanted two players on my team. You really yep. really wanted Antonio Gibson, who Correct. was my second round pick, and you Correct. really wanted Brandon Ayuk, who was my sixth round pick. Correct. It was my mistake to willingly give up Brandon Ayuk. At that point, he wasn't playing very well. He was yep. he. This is right before he started really breaking out because he had it. He had a really good season. Well, hold on. But yeah, so I. I willingly gave you those guys, and I gave you Tyler Boyd, and I gave you a 10th round pick. Yeah. Just to, I guess, even things on, on all sides, because we, we had kind of mismatches in talent, and that's why the trade wasn't perfect. But that was just yeah, the, yeah. what we had. So you offered me Chris Carson to offset Antonio Gibson. Yeah. You offered me Adam Thielen to offset Tyler uh, Boyd. Yeah, it was, to, it was to offset Tyler Boyd's 
and you offered me Jalen Waddle to offset Brandon Ayuk. And yeah. the tenth was just to the kind of offset the fact the two wide receivers you were giving me was a significantly higher value. Yeah. Than, than the uh, than what I was giving you. So right. that was that was all well and dandy, and we make the trade. Two weeks after we make the trade, Chris Carson goes down for the year. But Thielen and Thielen and Waddle are balling out, and that really helped me because my wide receiver situation besides McLaurin was kind of rough. So that really helped me. Yeah. And the trade, I would say, was overall it was good for me. I don't, I don't necess- I don't think I won the trade. I think you won the trade just just it's by tight. the sheer just by the sheer who got the best value right as mm. right from the draft or right from the trade. Yeah. I think you got slightly better value than I did. But, I think, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think I think it's tough to call just because again, like Antonio Gibson and Tyler Boyd, obviously Tyler Boyd was it was just so frustratingly inconsistent. And again, that's yeah. going to happen when when um when Joe Burrow has both T Higgins and Jamar Chase also on that yeah. offense. So Tyler Boyd's basically the third wide receiver in that offense, but he still had some really good weeks, which is obviously great. Um, but then Antonio Gibson as well, like he like that was someone again. We talked about it in the, I think when we were talking about the draft, like he was hurt for a good, so much of the season that he became someone who was so difficult to rely on, like in the first couple of weeks of the season. Now, granted, after the bye week, he had some really, really good weeks. Like I'm just looking at it now 21 points, 26 points, 23.6 points, 22 points, 18 points. Like by no means they're not, they're not like 30 points or 25, but for like a running back two, that's, that's obviously pretty solid, but like, um, Jalen Waddle, especially in a keeper league, and again, this is something that I kind of wish I kept in mind. Jalen Waddle in a keeper league has so much freaking value. Like he's probably gonna like again, he's not gonna win offensive rookie of the year because again, I think that's gonna, at this point it, it, it's gonna go to Jamar Chase. I think we talked. I think last week we, we we predicted it was gonna be Mac Jones. No, 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 it's it's Jamar Chase. He had an absolutely unreal week seventeen, yeah. but um, like. Jalen Waddles, as of right now, is probably this like the second best looking like off like wide receiver like in the draft to come out of the draft. He's only gonna get better. Yeah. Um especially Agreed. if um especially if Houston's able to get uh sorry, if uh, Miami's able to get uh, uh Deshaun Watson from Houston, which they want. So if they're able to do that, Jalen Waddles uh value is gonna skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Um so like again, like and that's and that's and that's kind of why the reason why I think you actually got the better of that deal because again, you Adam Thielen obviously I think he offset whatever uh, uh, value you lost in um in Tyler Boyd and they actually gave you a bit more. The Chris Carson thing kind of sucks. Well, it obviously sucks that he that he got hurt, but like at the same time, like you, I guess because it's a keeper league and because you got, in my opinion. Or, or sorry, you're in this deal. You're getting the only player that either of us are holding on to, and he's actually like, a, yeah. like a, he looks he looks like he's going to be a really good offensive player. That's the main reason why I think that you got the better of the deal, especially because I actually ended up dropping Brandon Ayuk because he was just being re- like really inconsistent, like wasn't even yeah. that good, and like all the signs pointed to him not really getting better, which just was was so just incredibly wrong. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's not really it's not really important who won the deal because again, I think we both got help in in that moment. We both got help that we needed, but I just, yeah, I think the fact that you got Jalen Waddle is the X factor in terms of why I think you won that deal. Yeah. I'm, if we if we bring in the keeper aspect to it, Jalen Waddle versus a tenth round pick, yeah, that's yeah. probably better. That's probably better for me than it is for you. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, honestly, it was it was a mutually beneficial deal. It was. It was a no. pleasure doing business. It was a pleasure. Doing was. Business. <laughs> I fucking want to do a model back. And now that, <laughs> and now that we're and now that we're talking yeah. about our trade, let's talk about our second trade. Yeah. Because that let's, was that was another one that I think that was more of a uh, keeper trade than yes, it was agreed. A, agreed. a season agreed. trade. So we'll yeah. talk about it very quickly. I yeah. I traded I traded Aaron Jones and Terry McLaurin, my first okay. and my third round picks, to Simon for. Nick Chubb, his first round pick and his second round pick for next year. No, no, a little bit of context here in terms of why I actually made that trade. I was feeling really good about my roster going into like the last couple of weeks of the season, where like if I like I felt if like I got some I got some help on the on my on my receiving core, I was able to move some stuff around. I thought I was gonna like I thought I was in a really good position to actually kind of make a like a deep run in the playoffs. Granted, some of my players got hurt, so that kind of derailed my plans. But um, like I was just like, yeah, like like we talked about before, I was like continue to try to stick with the process. I saw some holes, like because I like, I really needed some receiver hub later on, like later on in the season. Which I mean, when you trade Jalen Waddle and Adam Thielen away, that's gonna happen. But um, yeah, like I, I needed to I needed to address that that in some way. Um, I did end up getting T. Higgins off of waivers somehow. I don't know how I ended up getting T. Higgins off of waivers, but I did. Um, oh wait, you you should Hunter Renfro was in the deal too. I forgot about that. Yes, 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 yes. And 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 Hunter Renfro, which again, he's a PPR monster, and our league is PPR. Um, mm-hmm. so I needed some receiving help. Um, now granted, you, you, you could you could make the argument that like Hunter Renfro and PPR kind of cancels out Terry McLaurin. I thought well, Terry McLaurin just has a lot more upside. He like he just has more talent than Hunter Renfro. I guess that's an argument we can have later. But anyways, just I think that was a deal we both thought would help. Again, like like before, we thought it would both help us. Unfortunately, um, just the way things planned out, it didn't really help me as much as I thought it was going to. But again, I'm also completely content holding on to Aaron Jones for another year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I forgot about Hunter Renfro. Yeah, so I got Hunter Redfro from the deal. It was a two for two plus the second round pick. That was the deal. Yeah. 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 And so yeah, my my thinking was that I didn't really want or I didn't not want to keep Aaron Jones for next year, but I would have preferred to keep somebody else. That mm-hmm. was my real that was my big motivation for the deal. I also kind of realized that this year wasn't my year. And that's what I was saying before. Don't overreact to losses. I overreacted to losses. I didn't think this was my year. Mm-hmm. So I, I traded my first and my third round pick because I thought probably better to work to look to the future while somewhat staying competitive this year yeah. than to really go all in and Smart. not win on a year yeah. where I probably couldn't do it. And so Hunter Renf- Renfro ended up just kind of being a, can I please have a receiver to, you know, to make sure I can actually play a receiver? Yeah. That was, that's what Hunter Renfro was. Kind of funny that he ended up being pro- maybe the best player in that entire deal. Yeah. Just, just for this year. But yeah, that was, that was my thinking. My thinking was for the future. And so mm-hmm. the trade ended up being good for both of us. You, you got two players that you're going to keep for next year. I got one player that I'm going to keep for next year and and a, an extra draft pick. So well, po- well, so, well, potentially because again, I'm not 100% sold on on holding on to Terry McLaurin. Again, oh, that's yeah. something that that's something that's something that I'm that I'm having eternal debates about just again because of other moves that that so just because of the moves that I made. Um, 
But yeah, again, like, again, I, I don't have any regrets on, in terms of taking a gamble on Terry McLaurin, because again, when you, like, with a player like that, I feel comfortable taking a gamble on, because again, he's a player who has just, who just is incredibly talented, and just due to, due to his situation in Washington, it just kind of waters down his value a bit, or just waters down his ability to be kind of as good as he can possibly be. Um, so I don't, I don't regret taking a gamble on that, but, um, you're right. Like worst case scenario, I'm kind, of, I'm, I'm happy with the, uh, with, with, with. Again, I don't have any regrets. I guess is what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Neither do I. And that's great. So we'll finally move on from trades because we Actually, spent hold on. a good amount of time. I, I, oh, I, 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 I want to talk about one more trade I made because again, yep. we were talking about um making uh making deals and trying to stay competitive at the same time. I don't know if this actually does that, but anyways, um, talking about handcuffs before. And I think this is a really good kind of mo- a really good moment to kind of talk about like how valuable handcuffs can be. So I believe Aaron Jones went down earlier in the year. I can't remember with what injury, but like it, it was clear AJ Dillon was going to be like a very valuable piece to um he was going to be he was he was, was going to be valuable. It was going to be the great the green back running by a uh, running back one. And like at that moment in time, I wasn't very so I drafted um AJ Dillon in my other keeper league. So like I had him basically sitting on my bench because I had Saquon, I had Ceh, and I wasn't really going to play him. So at that moment in time, I wasn't very competitive. So naturally, someone who wanted to bolster his team for the for a potential playoff run again, I, I didn't have Aaron Jones on my um on my other keeper league either. So I wasn't there was no there was never really no reason for me to hold on to AJ Dillon in terms of just a just in terms of just a handcuff other than just because he was going to bring me a lot of points. So instead. What I did is, is I got a I ended up trading AJ Dillon, and this actually might save my keeper, uh, like my my league for next year, because again, this is like the player I got back. Anyways, I'll, I'll talk about the deal now. So I, I so I sent off AJ Dillon, Mark Andrews of the Baltimore Ravens, and a first round pick for TJ Hawkinson, tight end, uh, Derek Henry, who is injured, and a thirteenth round pick. That's, so, that's great. That's so great. That's, uh, yeah. So, like, again, I was, I obviously wasn't in a position to compete. I was in a situation where both my first, my first and my second round pick were not, like, weren't, uh, weren't great. They weren't performing that well. So I was able, so I basically kind of said, okay, forget it. I'm going to just build on next year. And, and I was able to get a player, like, I was able to get Derek Henry. Again, the, like mm-hmm. the, the situation like these don't come around very often. I, again, I, I did have to package my first round pick, but the fact that the able that AJ Dillon got so much value there. Again, if you have players like that and you're not very competitive, don't be afraid to try to go out there and shop. If, sorry, it's, I guess this is more so if you're in a keeper league, but like there are teams that are trying that are that are like winning or doing very well, and like they they have very good players that are injured, specifically running backs, and you have a like a um, a handcuff that's in a position to succeed and you're not competitive, don't be afraid to try to shop your handcuff for a, for a player who might be injured. Because again, a lot, for a lot of players, like, they're only going to win, like, one or two, like, maybe one, uh, cha- like, fantasy football championship. So, like, there's going to be people who are desperate to try to bolster the lineup as much as they can but, but while sacrificing some of their better players who, who might be, come back and be better next year. So, I mean, just something to keep in mind going forward. Um, yeah, like it's just, I don't know, just something to keep in mind. Yeah, and honestly, that first round pick, what what you could have done with that first round pick is not nearly as valuable as Derrick Henry. 
And yeah, like with that first round pick, yeah, with, with that first round pick, you hope to get Derrick Henry. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it, and, and basically, and basically, you, and essentially, what you're doing is you're is you're trading AJ Dillon and Mark Andrews for the for TJ Hawkins, which isn't and the 13th, which isn't which isn't horrible, especially when you consider that some of that value has to be taken into account when you, when you're upgrading from a first round pick to get Derrick Henry. Because there's not going to be any yeah. Derrick Henrys in the first round in the first round of the draft. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean. I personally love that pick or that trade. Mm-hmm. The reason I did react bigger is because I remember you making that trade, and I thought, yeah, I love that time. trade. I, I yeah. yeah, like yeah, like Derek. The, the I, don't think I, I will. Uh, no, he didn't. Yeah, yeah. So let's see. Actually, I have the bracket up right in front of you right now. How do you do? He lost in the first round. <laughs> first round. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah, the first round was really weird. This year, based on how players scored, a lot of really good players didn't do very well in the first round. Like yeah. Tom Brady and the Bucks had a, re- they had that stinker against the the Saints, just put up yeah. no points. Uh, Jamar yeah. Chase put up one point. I know because I I played against Jamar Chase in the first round of my Dow League, and we'll we'll get to the playoffs. But yeah, no, yeah. that that's really tough for him. I mean, if you make an all in trade like that, you get better win. <laughs> yeah, like again, like yeah, like so again. I'm just really excited to get Derrick Henry on, like to get him and like use him next year because you know, like I will probably be getting a Derrick Henry jersey sometime next year just to show how happy I am to have him on my roster. But yeah, like it's gonna be. Anyways, like it's, again, it just goes to show how valuable handcuffs can be in some in in some particular situations. Again, there's there's not I don't think there's no guarantee that next year like if, like. You're gonna be able to like take a like a, a handcuff and go trade yeah. for like Derrick Henry or like Christian McCaffrey or something, but like exactly, under the right exactly. situations, like don't be afraid to kind of go out there and shop them if they're in the right situation. For sure, exactly, and uh, I, I guess that's it for trades for us. We definitely mm-hmm. talked a lot about our trade philosophies, and I think they, yeah. I think overall we did pretty well trade wise. Besides my trades in my Queens League, that I mean overall that wasn't a whole shit show, but. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, because like, like, you're not gonna win all your trades. That's the other thing. Like, like you're gonna lose trades. Like, that's just like there's gonna be trades where you go, oh shoot, like I did really well. But there's also gonna be some that you go, oh my god, like I did horribly in this trade. Yeah. So, so like, again, it's not like you just have to kind of hope. You, you just kind of gotta be in a situation where you're in where you feel like you win more trades than you lose, and you and you're fine. But again, you're not gonna win all of them. Yeah, just trust yourself. That's really the the lesson we're trying to peddle here. Trust yourself. Trust your draft. Yeah. Trust your players. Yep. And yep. if you want to trade, trust the trade that you make. And yep. at the end of the day, you'll be fine. And also yep. trust the ad drops that you make. And let's quickly talk about ad drops because I have – there are a few things that I want to talk about with ad drops. Um, so the first thing – there are two things in particular that you have to keep in mind with adding and dropping players. The first is – don't drop players unless you need to drop the player. Unless it's necessary, don't drop the player. And the second is, well, actually, before I do, before I go into that, I'll talk about what I did with my Dow League. I mm-hmm. with I talked about my my one to five in the draft, but I didn't talk about my six to ten in that Dow League draft. In that six to ten, in my six to ten in my Dow League draft, I reached for Jalen Waddle. I drafted Michael Carter probably a little bit earlier, and I drafted Elijah Moore with my 10th pick. Those are rookies, all three rookies, oh. Dolphins, Jets, not not great teams in the beginning of the year. The production, particularly with Carter and Moore, wasn't great, and I drafted them in 
prime position to be flex plays. Yeah. You know what happened? I didn't drop them, especially when Elijah Moore was putting up zeros. Didn't mm-hmm. drop either of them. I held them. I didn't, yeah. dr- I didn't drop them even when I thought, you know, maybe I could pick up somebody flashy with a good matchup for the week because I could win. Didn't, didn't drop them. And that ended up being an unbelievable decision because they both ended up being crazy good for the playoff, for the, uh, playoff push. Yeah. And in Michael Carter's case, the playoff run because Moore was injured. But that's what I'm trying to say with don't drop, drop players unless it's absolutely necessary. And an example on the other side of that was when I drew one in my Queens league where I drafted tight end as late as I could. And I trade and I drafted Mike Gesicki, who ended up having a really good year, but he put up a zero bomb in week one. And I was like, I, I can't play this guy. So I dropped yeah. him. And that ended up being a terrible decision. Right. And I, I was really, I had to scour the waiver wire for tight end plays for the rest of the year. When yeah. all I, all I had to do was keep Mike Gesicki and I would have been just fine. So when a player's valuable, don't drop him unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah, again, so like I didn't really, I didn't really have a whole lot of ad drops, um, or lost a lot of like many to note. Like the main ones I had were like players like Khalil Herbert and like like T Higgins for example, or like there was clearly someone on the waiver wire who like I needed to go, who like I felt like I needed to go grab, like and they had like just other defenses with like in buys. So like I'm I'm just looking at the ones from our league for example, like the first couple moves like they were so unnecessary. Like for example, like I like um. So my, my my very first way I dropped in our league was when Gus Ed uh, when was, in, was when Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins tore their ACL. I went out and got Le'Veon Bell, who didn't really play that long with the Ravens, and dropped Hunter Henry. Now Hunter Henry's not bad, don't get me wrong, but like, like there's no really no reason to make that move. Um, because again, you don't know what Le'Veon Bell is again. There's upside there, potential upside, but like, he didn't end up playing a huge role. And like, I picked up Christian Kirk, I picked up Devontae Parker, uh, mm-hmm. and like. Again, that that just kind of speaks to how kind of inconsistent my receiver uh, situation was, which ended up trying to uh, sort out the uh, the uh, later with, like with our with our trades and other waiver picks that I made up. But you're right, like like ad drop should only be for like if like there's an actual player that you feel like you need to have on your roster that actually has value instead of trying to. Because I guess one thing I've also learned is that. Tr- when it comes to ad drops, try not to add based on upside as opposed to like actual value. Because a lot of the time, if there's players on ad drop, sorry, like in free agency, who have a lot of upside, more times than not, unless they're like an outlier, there's not a whole lot of times where like they actually hit. Now again, there's some there's some situations where they can boom and have like two or three good weeks, but it's very rare that you're going to consistently find someone who puts up, like, a consistently high amount of points, like, from week to week. Yeah, that's a that's actually a really nice segue into lesson number two for ad drops, because I was going to uh. talk about something similar. It was a little different from that, because I don't totally agree with you on that one. I, yeah. think, I, think, I think picking up for upside can be valuable sometimes. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying it never does. I'm saying, but more times than not, like, like for example, like if you're trying to find like, like a league winner in in free agency, more times than not, it's not going to happen. Like that, that's more, that's more so my point. Like, like if you have a huge problem at wide receiver, like the more times than not, you're gonna, you're not gonna find someone in free agency who's gonna like just solve your problem just like that. That's more so that's my true. point. 
That's true. That's absolutely right. You got to be practical with your thoughts on the waiver wire and your expectations. You can't just, I mean, what you can do if you really want to is draft for one or multiple positions to have a deficiency at one position and say, yeah, it'll, the waiver wire will work that way. That's what I did when I won my championship in 2018 when Evan Engram just magically appeared on the waiver wire one week. And that, well, it was back in 2018. So Evan Engram was actually good fantasy wise, but I didn't really draft for tight end back then. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of, that was the philosophy that I kept going with from that point on. And I've started to learn that that's not a great idea to just not look at tight ends way until like round eight. But regardless, that's not really the point of this. The point of this is, is kind of what Simon's saying is that don't look to the waiver wire to solve your problems. If you're to look at, it's it's unrealistic to think that every player that you draft is going to be your starter for the rest of the year. Like obviously yep. waiver wires are going to be important mm-hmm. and they're going to play roles in your team, but don't think that don't expect to, to pick up Hunter Renfro from the waiver wire. Yep. Don't expect to pick up T Higgins, Cordero Patterson. You get the idea. Don't expect to pick them up. Yeah. I couldn't believe I got T Higgins out. Like even, even when he came on the waiver, I was like, Holy cow, you're joking. T Higgins is on waivers. Okay. Sick. Like exactly. It happens. Like in, in pretty much every league I was in, I picked, I, at some point I picked up the Bucks D cause somebody, somebody dropped him. Like that's a good pickup. I'll take that. T Higgins and like one, two, three of his last one, two, three, four, five, six. He had 23, 28 and 43 points. And then I got him on waivers. Like again, like, yeah, it happens. Again, that, again. So, so that that that's more so to say, like again, like there, there's gonna there there can be times where players like that go on the waiver wire, and again, if they do, like absolutely don't hesitate in scooping them up or anything. But also, don't don't like build your draft strategy or like build your strategy for towards the rest of the season um, around like players like that being available because again, there's not there's not a whole lot of um. Like blue chip, like uh, like difference making players that are on the waiver wire consistently. Yeah, that's that's just not how the waiver wire works. Mm-hmm. And if you want some advice, how's how to get those players on the waiver wire when they come? Well, that's where that's where number two comes in, and it's similar to what Simon said about don't look for upside, look for value. It's a little more specific because it's more specific as far as value goes because he's absolutely right. But when you're looking for value. And I think this is a really important thing that a lot of people need to know. Don't look just at production. Yep. The, the production of a player is not the indicator. Volume is the indicator. Look to how much, how many targets a player gets. Look at how many touches a player gets. Look at their snap percentage on the field. Look at how much they're on the field and how well they get used. Don't look at production. And I've got tons of examples of that. Uh, let me look at, let me tell you about, uh, Van Jefferson and Brian Edwards for a second. Brian Edwards on the Raiders, Van Jefferson on the Rams. Yeah. Both, both had, both had decent years, but they're both mm-hmm. deep threats. So for, for me, who had Van Jefferson in all three of my leagues, just because he was the best player available on the waiver wire in weeks that I needed him and just didn't see any reason to drop him, he had really good weeks, but he also had really bad mm-hmm. weeks because he was a deep threat for Matt Stafford. Mm-hmm. So a lot of weeks he did well, and a lot of weeks, particularly near the end of the year when OBJ came in, he did poorly. That's just the way it goes. So you, that wasn't—he wasn't a high volume player. He was—he was a high production player. On the other hand, look look to the guys that I picked up in my Dow league at random points in the season. Rashad Penny, 
Amonra St. Brown. Those were both mm-hmm. near the end of the year. Pat mm-hmm. Fryermuth. I didn't really need a tight end, but a nice flex play. Yeah. And yeah, Van Jefferson, Buccaneers defense, uh, Matt Gay, the kicker. You just look to look to their production. It's really important. And sometimes it can lead you to more than just having a good player to play at flex every now and again. For example, after week one in my Queens League, probably the only good thing I ever did in the Queens League. After week <laughs> one, I picked up, I looked at, I looked at Emmanuel Sanders, who was you know, the number three or four t- wide receiver on the waiver wire. I looked at his uh, count, his target count, and he had about at least two or three more targets than the next best guy on the waiver wire. So he was the guy I picked instead of whoever else was on the waiver wire. Guys like mm. Van Jefferson, Brian Edwards, you get the idea. That, and I ended up trading him as a high-end wide receiver, and he stopped playing well after I traded him. But that's not really what's important. What's important is I got the value for him. Yeah, yeah like, again, like that's such a, that's such a good point. Because, again, there's, there, there's, there's so many players that are like that. And, again, like, just to, not to keep beating a dead horse or anything, but, like, again, T. Higgins is one of those guys for me as well, like, in terms of, in terms of evaluating. Because, again, when, when there's players that get dropped on the waiver wire, you think, like, like, especially when someone as good as T. Higgins appears on the waiver wire, oftentimes you think of, like, hey, why is he on the waiver wire? Like, is he hurt? Is he, like, is he, like, playing extremely poorly? Is that really why this owner dropped him? And I actually remember, like, the first, um, like, there's sometimes where they actually leave, like, notes for the player after, like, a week, for example. Like, mm-hmm. it's typically after, like, the day after the, the game or whatever. And I remember T. Higgins, like, the news thing was um, T. Higgins, like, bound to break out. And it was because he's getting so many freaking targets. Mm-hmm. And he just wasn't connecting. And, and like you said, more times than not, when a player gets a lot of targets... Players like T. Higgins, like just, just off the top of my head, players that like I claimed off of the waiver wire that are like that. T. Higgins, uh, Hunter Renfro, um, like Henry Ruggs at the time when he was actually like in the league, and like, actually had one of my fantasy team are players that are kind of like that. More so, Renfro and Higgins though. Like you can predict you, again, like when a player gets a lot of targets, it's, it's just only a matter of time before he breaks out. Because again, it just shows that the quarterback is trying is going out of his way to try to find ways to um. To target him again, like again, Antonio Brown is some as a player is kind of like that with Tom Brady and the Bucks when he was still on the Buccaneers, but um, yeah, like it just stuff like that is just so like and, and like it, it, there's so many things I think that need to go into actually trying to evaluate players. And again, it can be difficult just because again, there's weeks where even if like they do everything right, you just won't get the points um, because you just can't connect for some reason. But like just finding a way to evaluate fantasy players, like especially in like the free agency, is just so important. That like if you can do it properly, or you can do it and with like a lot of success, like you're gonna like you're gonna have a lot of success in your leagues. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and that's pretty much what I was trying to put forward with with yeah. that. And Simon did a really good job of explaining it. So mm-hmm. that's pretty much it for the the season management yeah. lessons that I have. Do you have anything to add there? Well, not really, because again, like when it comes to season management, there's not really much you can do. Like again, you can trade, you can add, or you can drop, and that's really it. Like, or you can claim player off waivers. Now, now the one thing we didn't, we now the, the one thing we didn't really touch on is fab or like a free agency budget. Um, again, we didn't have that, so there's not really much I can really kind of like uh, talk about with that. Yeah, what I can say is, yeah. Well, again, I'll, I'll try to make a just a quick point on that again, like. 
fab. Like again, if there's like a really like this is this is, that's another way to try to be able to make sure you get players like handcuffs, for example, that might be on free agency, and just try to coordinate your budget and try to um like uh designate like portions of your budget for those players accordingly. Don't try to spend it all, but again, like it's not something we can really talk too much about because I don't think either of us had fab budgets in either of our leagues. So again, it's it's it's, it's like everything. Let's try to be smart with it. Don't use it all up on one player because stuff can happen yeah. later on in the season. But um. Yeah, I mean, that's really all I can really add. Yeah, I've been playing with the budget in my Queens League for about eight years now, just budget accordingly. That's just all you can really say. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's a that was a good thing to point out, actually. Yeah. So I, I forgot about that. So, yeah. Um, so before we go into our third and final uh, section, which is playoff management. Do we I have to? <laughs> just briefly. It, it's, it's for the narrative. So uh-huh. narrative – so like I said, week seven, Dow League and Queens League two and five, Keeper League three and four. I told you about what I did. I made I made good moves. I made a few good moves and for the most part held held my team in the Dow League. I panicked about losing and made bad trades in my Queens League, and I kinda did both in the Keeper League and. As you probably were looking forward to, this is how we ended up doing. In the Queens League, as I alluded to with the failure, I finished four and ten and finished second last in the league, eleven of twelve. <laughs> exactly. In the Dow League, where I saw my success, I my team just really turned it around after week seven. We finished seven and seven, and we took the seven seed out of twelve. So we made the playoffs. Okay. And in Despite all the trades I made for the future and sacrifice of the present in the Keeper League, I finished eight and six and took the five seed. Mm -hmm. So made the playoffs in two of three leagues as the five seed against the four seed in the Keeper League, which Simon also made the playoffs as the six seed. We had the same record, but because of because of scoring. Um, did you actually finish ahead of me? Oh my god, you did! I remember yeah. that. God damn yeah, it. I finished Jeez. ahead of you be- just because of the scoring tiebreak because I scored more points <laughs> than you in the season, and uh, yeah. yeah, and you finished in the sixth seed, and uh, yeah, and in the in my oh yeah, it's another thing to point out in my Dow league, I finished seven seven and seven in the seventh seed, but I was the fourth highest scoring team in the league. Okay. So the point the points four was there. So yeah, yeah. we'll go to, we'll go into playoff management and. I will – so in in the Keeper League, which I'll start with because that was the – spoiler alert, that was the year of mediocrity, and this is why. There are three lessons for playoff success, and I, I didn't follow them in this league. <laughs> so the first lesson is – well, actually, now that I think about it, lesson number one and lesson number two are very similar. So I will – I'll merge the two. And it is trust the guys that you have on your team. Trust the guys that got you there. And don't overreact to matchups that they they may or may not have that aren't good. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson to have. Because with the playoffs, unlike the regular season, you can't over you you have to overreact because it's just it's one and done. Like if you lose, you're out. And my my team did very poorly 
in the keeper yeah. in in yeah. week very yeah. very poorly. I put yeah. up I think I think I put up sixty seven points. Oh yikes, that's worse than me. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't feel as bad because the guy that beat me was the eventual champion of the league. Had a good team. Oof. Yeah, but I feel bad because I I I missed out on lesson number two, which is don't get cocky. Which I definitely did get cocky. And, uh, yeah, because the, this guy that beat me and won the championship, I beat him twice in the regular season because I thought – so I thought I just owned him. I thought I was his father. But that, that, isn't, that, isn't, that isn't what ended up happening. So, yeah, uh, don't, don't get cocky, but also don't overreact and make moves that you don't need to make. Yeah, like – my lesson from, especially in our league, is pray, pray that your players are gonna do their job, Don't and just, and just pray that your opponent won't just won't just tee off on you because that's what happened to me. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I got kind of un- I got kind of unlucky in the sense that I like I, I was playing like a really a really good team on paper. Um, so like, like, uh, hold on. Can you hear me still? Yep. Yeah. Your, your mic kind of changed frequencies, but it's, it's good now. You don't have to change anything. Just keep it, just keep it where it was before. Is there a thing? Yeah, you're good. Hold on. That, that, that sounds good. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. I, I, yeah, I had to, okay. Little technical difficulties, we're fine now. But um, mm-hmm. basically, um, when I so in the first week of the playoffs, I was facing a really good team on paper: Matt Stafford, Dalvin Cook, David Montgomery, Cooper Cup. And the thing is, like Matt Stafford, Dalvin Cook, and David Montgomery didn't actually do all that much. Like Stafford put up uh-huh. sixteen, Dalvin Cook put up eleven, and then David Montgomery put put up ten and a half, almost ten and a half. It's the guys like Dalton Schultz and Jeff Wilson and like the Indianapolis Colts defense that really kind of dug my grave in combination with OBJ, uh, T Higgins and like Terry, Terry McClure not really doing that much. So again, yeah. Oh yeah. And, and the guy also had Cooper cup. He put up 30 point, 34.7. So uh, thanks for coming. But, um, <laughs> yeah. So like, again, like, like this, all you like, again, it just kind of goes to show that, like fantasy football playoffs are just such a crap shoot, man. Like again, because like, if you put together a good team and you can put some put together some really good players, more times than not, you're going to win. But uh-huh. like you said, because it's a one and done, if your players don't show up or for whatever reason they get hurt or something happens, like man, it is so easy for you to get bounced so fast. Like what happened to me? Yeah, it's unfortunate, but that's just it's the way fantasy goes sometimes. Yeah, it's yeah. it's just. It all comes down to that one week, and it's just yep. really rough when it when it hurts. But it'll do that to you sometimes. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So just to, um, did you make the playoffs in any other of your leagues? Uh, I made it in one. It's a non keeper league, and again, I've, I don't think I've actually the team that took me to the playoffs was. Da, 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 da. I had Joe Burrow at QB, Amari Cooper, Jalen Waddle, Austin Eckler, Antonio Gibson, 
Kyle Pitts and Miles Gaskin. It's not a horrible solid. team. It's solid, yeah. Uh, I had Julio Jones and Allen Robinson on my bench with Eli Mitchell as well on the bench. Oh, Mitchell. Uh, yeah, so again, like I had a pre- I put together a pretty solid team. Uh, I got bounced in the first round of that one as well. <laughs> so, eh, that's okay. Um, again, I didn't really have much hope for that league anyways, but I'm actually really, really hopeful for what's to come. In the keeper, in our keeper league, because I think it's going to be a very, very good start next year. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all we have to say. I just want to finish off with what happened in the Dow League because I didn't talk. You about won, that. didn't you? You won, didn't you? Let me get, let me get there. Let me uh, get there. Oh no! So he did win. <laughs> so the first week of the playoffs is week fifteen. I was going up against the two seed, who was the highest scoring team in the league by a pretty sizable margin. He had Josh Allen, he had Cooper Copy, and Jamar Chase. Like he had a pretty good Jesus. team. Jesus, yeah. Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup. Oh my yeah. god. Yeah. Thing was, he wasn't even the best team in the league, but he, when he had Derrick Henry in his lineup, he had the he had Derrick Henry. His team was putting up like 200 points a week. It was ridiculous. Oh my god. His team was crazy. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah, he was. It was his team was so good that he traded away DK Metcalf for running back help. <laughs> like that's how good his team was. He also has Mike Williams, who started the season DK really Metcalf. hot. Yeah, so he he traded DK Metcalf for Daryl Henderson and something else, I think. So he got some. He had a really solid team. I was projected with my with my roster, which as you know is Justin Herbert at quarterback, Zeke and Joe Mixon at running back. Uh, Keenan Allen and Jalen Waddle, who didn't play in the first week of the playoffs, but I played, put him in for the rest of the playoffs. Uh, in his place, I put in Amonra St. Brown, who I picked up later, later on in the season. Uh, tight end was obviously Mark Andrews. Uh, uh, the, my flexes, because there was a two flex league, was Amonra St. Brown and Rashad Penny, but for this week, I played Van Jefferson instead. And uh, defense was the Buccaneers. Kicker was Matt Gay, who was the Rams kicker. Bench was pretty irrelevant. I didn't play. I didn't really play anybody from the bench. Uh, Michael Carter was also injured at this time. Yeah, I, I would have played him had I not. Yeah. So I was projected to win by seven that week, and I ended up winning by fifty. Jesus so I, Christ! I, yeah, I kicked his ass. Uh, the next closest team in the entire league to, in terms of scoring that week behind me put up 30 less points than me. So I was feeling, I was feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good with 164 points in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. The next, the next closest team who's the, who's the one seed put up 132. That was the next closest. And, uh, this was not a reseed bracket, so I didn't have to play the one seed in the next in the next round. I oh, played the no. two, I played the two seed in the next round, who was the second highest scoring team in the league. Or no, I played the three seed, who was the second highest scoring team in the league. He had, and I shit you not, he had Jonathan Taylor, he had Austin Eckler, and he had Justin Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, that was his team. I mean. I mean, his team was pretty solid. Otherwise, Matt Stafford, a quarterback, he played A.J. Dillon. He played Antonio Brown. <laughs> Rip. He played, well, obviously, I got lucky with COVID because Austin Eckler didn't play. Oh, but yeah. he, I remember but that. He, but he, re, he was replaced with Justin Jackson, who he this guy had. And Justin Jackson, as you know, went off that week. 
So I was projected to lose by 10 and I won by 60. I put up 195 points. Jesus Christ, with, man. With Jalen, with Jalen Waddle back in the lineup, I was able to kick a Monroe St. Brown to flex, which meant I didn't have to play Van Jefferson again. And so, <laughs> so I ended up, so I ended up playing, yeah, I played, uh, Michael Carter instead of Rashad Penny. Even though Rashad Penny put up five more points than Michael Carter, it didn't make a difference. I would have hit 200 had I played Rashad Penny. Oh, that would have been special. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, the one seed who I would eventually, I'll eventually play in the finals. He put up 155 points. Yeah. He put up 155 points that week. And so I just put up 164 and then 195. So going into the finals, I got a little cocky. Let's just say I got a little cocky oh, going, no. going up against the what going up against the one seed who was the third highest scoring team in the league. So yeah, two seed, then the three seed, then the one seed. I really had to run the gauntlet this year. <laughs> his team and his team was a little better than the others. He had, he had, um, he had Dak at quarterback. He played, he had Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams at wide receiver. And he had Debo Samuel and Hunter Renfro in the flex spot. Oh box. my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he ended up, Earlier in the season, he traded um, he traded Amari Cooper and Mike Gesicki for Debo Samuel earlier in the year, which is a very good trade for him. And people in the league got mad. Why? They got pissed because they thought the trade was collusion. About that, okay. Yeah, I, again, I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far. I thought the trade was not terrible. It wasn't yeah. a terrible trade. Like, yeah, obviously there was a win there, but it wasn't a terrible trade. But anyways, so people were like, Max, you have to win or else the league's tainted, which, again, I think is a little bit of a overreaction. Yeah, people got really mad over that deal. So anyways, yeah. I was projected to lose by 10 again. Yeah. And you won. And uh, I lost by 15. Oh. It was eight of my ten players underperformed. The only two that didn't yeah. underperform were my were my waiver wire picks later in the year, Rashad Penny and Amonro St. Brown, who went off. They both put up thirty two points. They were both projected for like low teens. Jeez. Yeah. So they they kept me in it. They really kept me in it. But I had a I had an eleven point lead. When Devontae Adams played the Vikings, Devontae Adams went off, obviously, and um, I lost by 15. No. Yeah, it's just the way it goes. Okay. I got my money back. I got my $20 back. I missed out on 220 but it is what it is. I made it to the finals. The guy I was up against, he had an awesome team. He also had Dalton Schultz at, at tight ends. He had the he played the Niners defense, who went off against the Texans. He had a really good, he had the number one kicker in the league, the Patriots kicker. He had a he had a good team. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. yeah. So yeah. I, I'm I'm happy with what I did. That was so as you can see, that was the success. Yeah. And yeah. and that's an all the more reason why you should trust yourself and you shouldn't overreact to losing because I, I went from two and five to losing by fifteen in the finals. Yeah, 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 that's 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 a good story, actually. That that's a good anecdote. I mean 
Oh my god, yeah. The vacuum must be the three, two, the two, one, two, and three seed is crazy to me, but true. Yeah. <laughs> had had I won, I would have I would have bought a jersey, used the money to buy a, jer- buy a jersey of my team MVP, who I oh. believe was Mark Mark Andrews last year, mm-hmm. as the number one tight end. Uh, I'll take him as my team yeah. MVP. Who was my team MVP this year? Let's see. I don't really have one. Uh, uh, you could make an argument for T. Higgins. He really did carry T. Higgins, at the end. Yeah. T. Especially because really you, you traded away every other good player you had on your team. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think you need to pipe down over there. Almost arrogant. Uh, <laughs> hey, you Kyler, got good pull. You... Kyler Murray. I'll make an argument for Kyler Murray as well. He was really yeah. good down when the he, stretch. When he was healthy. He some, when he was healthy. He had some bad weeks. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, it was probably be T. Higgins or honestly, also might be Odell, but probably T. Higgins because Odell had Odell had like has had like one, two, th- anyways, I don't know. That's it's kind of irrelevant at the end of the day, but um, yeah, I'll probably go. I'll probably go T. Higgins. Now, I have one more question for you, as. Okay. We need to work on the sequel or or tease the sequel in our keeper league. Okay. And the best and the best way to do that is to talk about keeper keeper strategies. Very quickly. Okay, that's we'll, a good idea. We'll, we'll quickly go over keeper strategies. So yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I'll just quickly go off by starting with who I think I am going to keep next year and and the in the. Ways that I acquired them because that's also relevant. So, yeah. um, again, we're just going to go over our league because it's just, it's probably the fastest and easiest way to do it. I, again, as far as I know, we are keeping three players. You can keep any position, any combination of positions you would like, just three players. But the catch is the player that you keep, if you drafted them or if you traded for them, the round that that player was selected in in their in the draft, you do not have that draft pick. So, for example, if I took Aaron Jones in the first round and I kept Aaron Jones, I would I would not have a first round pick this year. Anyways, so this is a, for next season. I am planning on keeping Aaron Jones, T Higgins, who I got in free agency on waivers, mm-hmm. and T J Hawkinson. Who I also got on free agency on waivers. Now, what would that mean? That would mean I would not have my first round pick. I would not have my second round pick as I traded it to Max. But I would also lose my two, my last two picks in the draft. As that's just like you're gonna go over the roster limit if you don't. So I think that's a pretty solid strategy, given that. you basically get a top five tight end in TJ Hawkinson and a top, I'd say probably over, and I'd say probably a top 20 receiver in T Higgins without having, without ha- 20, 20, 25 to maybe 30. So, yeah, somewhere um, in there. He was, he was yeah, good last year. Yeah. I basically get those two guys with the last two picks in the draft, which seems crazy to me. Um, but. There's also other guys in the free agency pool who I'm currently thinking about maybe holding instead. Robert Woods is sitting on the waiver wire right now. He might not be a bad pickup to take over T. Higgins. I don't really know. I will probably stick with T. Higgins because T for life. Um, but, yeah, it's like 
I think that's a pretty solid strategy. Do you want to share maybe what your strategy is or kind of what you th- what you're thinking about doing for your pool this year or next year? Yeah, my strategy is a little less exciting than yours, a little less savvy, really. Uh, I traded, uh, I received Nick Chubb from your team. You, tra- yeah. you drafted Nick Chubb in the set in the first round, so I would lose my first round pick. I yeah. gain your second round picks, which means I essentially have two first round picks because I'm assuming most people will, you know, use their first round pick on keeping their player, which means that those two those two picks, which are back to back, by the way. They'll probably both be. There's a pretty solid chance they're both top five picks. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think they're going to be top five picks because they're you know five and six, but they're both they're both likely to be top ten picks. And yeah. I'll t- I'll take that as well as having my third round pick because I traded Terry McLaurin to you, so I don't have a third round player. That's mm-hmm. I'd say that's good. I also plan to keep Jalen Waddle, who you traded to me as well, and you drafted him in the seventh round. So I would be losing my seventh round pick. Yeah, for Jalen Waddle, solid pick. And Kyle Pitts was my fourth round pick. Yeah, my fourth round pick. And based on his upside, I think I think he's an overrated. Yeah, that's a value, especially at a position like tight end. That's yeah, that's no brainer. Yeah, so fourth, so losing my first, my fourth, my seventh, I traded you my tenth, but I get your second. Yeah, mm-hmm. get a top five tight ends, keep uh, keep really solid foundations at running back and at wide receiver. I think mm-hmm. that's, I think, solid. Yeah, I think we're both in really good positions. Now, I'm kind of curious because there are some really good teams in our league, obviously. Yeah. And there's going to be some really good players available. So again, I'm kind of interested to see who gets protected, who gets exposed. Um, cause again, I have some areas where I want to improve for next year and, and maybe just alter my strategy a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're going to see. Cause again, Kyler Murray's on my team and maybe I decide to hold on to Kyler, but I will probably yeah. not. <laughs> I mean, there are a lot of options and you have a lot of time to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, think it's Justin Jefferson on my team, but we'll see. Yeah, he's uh he's got a lot of value to him. You might have to give up quite a bit. Unfortunately, yes, that's how it goes. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it for uh keeper strategies. Just yeah, you know, yeah. think think about the value, think about what you can get with the picks if you do play in a league that you lose the pick that you draft the player in. Just keep mm-hmm. keep in mind what you're giving up. For example, if Simon if Simon chooses to keep Terry McLaurin and lose his third round pick and get rid of T Higgins instead. He's probably not going to get T Higgins at any point in the draft, but if he keeps T Higgins and loses that free agency draft pick and gets rid of Terry McLaurin, he could probably use that third round pick on Terry McLaurin. So you just got to think about, you got to think about draft value. Yeah. And you got to think about player value. Yeah, I know exactly. And that's, yeah, like, that's a great way to put it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just think about who's going to be available in the draft so you can make uh, decisions accordingly. If there are going to be a lot of quarterbacks available later, if there are going to be a lot of running backs available later, which is unlikely, but who knows? We'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah, and this episode's been running for a while. It's an hour and a half. I think we're we're oh, approaching. Oh my goodness! 
maybe even past that. We're, yeah, this we're is a, this that. good. Yeah, okay, it was a good good episode. It I was a good episode. Is, I think we had a lot to say, which was huge. I think anybody that plays fantasy and really pays attention has a lot to say. This is just oh, yeah. our our piece. This is how our seasons went. This is our story. Yeah, between the how much money we put into fantasy this year, we combined got back twenty bucks. So yeah, yeah. we'll do better next yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, we'll hopefully. Do better next year. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Pray for us. I'm praying. Good. Well, yeah, right. we'll see you next time. I'm not sure when it's yep. going to be because, again, school is starting up. But, again, hopefully you'll hear from us sooner rather than later. And uh, it's been real. Yeah. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening, watching, and, yeah. Listening. You're right. You're right. That's a good point. I forgot about that. <laughs> but, yeah. Tyler, Tyler and Lamar also say uh, goodbye and oh, thank you for listening. And <laughs> uh, if you if you like the content, subscribe. I'm not going to beg you to, but if you like it. This do is what it we do. Now, please do <laughs> it. <laughs> Simon will cry if you don't. That's inevitable. Yep. <laughs> it is inevitable. He's just gonna cry regardless. Oh yeah. But, oh, but yeah. very but, but he'll cry harder if you don't subscribe. Exactly. <laughs>